on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, for lifelong Saints fans, talking everything Southampton. Welcome to the Saints Prime Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Saints Prime Podcast. We're happy today to talk about the Burnley win because it doesn't happen very often, a win up at Burnley. So we're going to be very happy to talk about it today. So we've got Harry up in Derbyshire. How's it going, Harry? It's going well. I've located in the lounge and I can't see this on an audio mm-hmm. podcast, but there shouldn't be any disruptions unless there's a loud scream mm-hmm. from Liverpool v Arsenal that's also okay. going on upstairs. Yes. I mean, the game isn't going on upstairs. They're watching it upstairs, but you know what I mean? Gives you an insight to when we're recording. Mikey, you're still in Southampton like me. How's it going in Southampton? Are you all right? Yeah, it was going fine. It's got very cold over the last couple it of has. days, hasn't it? It has. Yorkshire really cold. It's, li- it's literally it. like, it was It was warm, 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 warm. And then over the last yeah. three days, it's just, Push. summer's ended very quickly. Mm. But we have the win to keep us happy, keep spirits up. I'm in a good mood. The Saints are finally off and running. How are you guys feeling about the win? It was boring and unconvincing, but it was a win. So I think that's that's what everyone's going to take away from it. We didn't dominate Burnley, but we did what we had to do to get the victory, which is we basically Burnley Burnley because uh, <laughs> that's what they do is just do whatever it takes to win. Mm. And it was a, it was a weak Burnley. It was a uh, definitely not a starting eleven or a starting eleven that Dyche wants to put out there. But we got it on the day. We got the early goal, and we just defended for the rest of it. It felt like. Mm. I mean, it was the makings of a last game on match of the day, and that's what I did have to do. I had to stay up <laughs> and watch it on match of the day, and it was featured very little. Not much Briefly. really happened on it. <laughs> there was the goal at the start. There was a couple of. I think there was an offside they showed and there was a, a cracking strike from a Burnley player I cannot name um, and a good Charlie save Tyler. by McArthur. Yeah, that's probably the one. Yeah, um, but that's pretty much what you know what was shown on Match of the Day. So unfortunately, I can't give in to too much insight apart from that. I may have to rely on you two to provide the, uh, the in-depth analysis. Um, are you up for the challenge? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what do you want to know, Wally? And we can give you the How knowledge. boring was it? <laughs> like, it was, was it? Was it tedious? Was it? If we lost, it would have been the worst game of all time. Really? But because we won, it was one of my favourites, just due to the fact that we got three points on the board. It helps mentally as well, because mm. you know we've not won in the Premier League or like top flight for 50 years. We've not won there just individually for 13 years. And now it just got, gets our season right back on track. Because if you think about it, the last two games, Crystal Palace away and Tottenham at home, we won both those last season. Now we've lost them. We didn't. We got zero points against Burnley all season, and now we've got three back. Mm. So if you go, if you go points difference from last season, we're only on minus three after a pretty, I'd say, hor- horrendous sounds harsh, but it wasn't a brilliant <laughs> start, especially with the expectation that we had. So yeah. it's given me a lot of hope. It's also given me hope that we we. Don't just try and force the style of play that we've always tried. Yes, we had the formation, but it's, it's not like we tried to necessarily play the exact, exactly the same way. And we just we knew what we were up against, and we dealt with it fantastically against a Burnley side that doesn't always or rarely loses at home. Mm. Mikey, I'm going to aim this question at you because you, you did watch the whole 90 minutes, didn't you? Or the 90-something minutes. Mm-hmm. What, what, what 
could you see was a, a real difference between this game and the Spurs game? Like, was there was there things that got tweaked? Was there better performances? Was there what could you lay your finger on that you think, yeah, that's something that changed and worked well? It felt like the midfield two were a lot tighter. I don't, like the first half against Spurs was brilliant. The second half was less. So if you compare it to the second half, the midfield two were a lot tighter. Uh, the fullbacks definitely weren't getting as high as they were against Tottenham. So we were a lot more solid as a four. We weren't exactly... Because um, how it was described is we were basically playing two centre-halves, two defensive midfielders, and then two two wingers and two strikers. That's how it felt like against Spurs. So our fullbacks were definitely a lot deeper. And the wingers weren't as much as involved as they usually are. Armstrong was still doing his thing in the centre. Gineppo was still popping up on both sides, but they weren't as effective. It felt like that we just mm. sort of, once we got that goal, we just clamped the middle of the pitch. We didn't have a lot of flair. We didn't break incredibly well. And there was a lot like less bodies going forward when we were getting the ball. But I think that's what we needed. We just needed a solid defensive performance and we got that. They only had one clear-cut opportunity. They got in behind once, but Chris Wood was offside only by, like, I think it was a toenail. Like, because on on <laughs> Sky, we didn't get... A, we didn't get a good angle of it. We got, like, a behind angle of it. And we didn't get the lines. We didn't get the VAR lines. So, like, those two things... It looked really, really scarce, and it looked like that they just sort of played on without looking at the decision. Um, uh, sorry yeah. to interject I may be wrong I might be wrong and prove me wrong and tweet us if I am but I think they blew the whistle before the shot was taken due to the fact that the linesman no shouldn't have done he put his flag up because what he's supposed to do is wait for the play to go on and if it goes in it goes to VR and all that but when Chris Wood was, Chris Wood was offside the linesman incorrectly put his flag up so the referee had to blow so I might be wrong and I think that's why they didn't go to VAR on that occasion because they just simply but then that's, that's the same thing I know it's a different game but the referee blew his whistle at Man United Brighton but they still went back to it no that's yeah. the final whistle where yeah that, that is was... the final whistle but surely that means end of play like because no, when, when you do the offside when you do the offside you get the ball over the top guy's offside refer- a linesman waves his flag in the air referee blows blows the whistle that's end of play that's that's the last of that play that it can do but because the referee's blowing his whistle, surely that's the end of the play and there's nothing else he can do. I, I, I don't know. That might just it be was described on the match of the day. They said something, the fact that like the play was... like The, the thing they were uh, reviewing was still in play at the time because you think it got... Was it headed or it was hit or something? And Malpay put yeah, his hand out. Yeah. Yeah. And then it got cleared off the line and then the referee blew it once it got out of the box. So I think they could still look at it. But to be honest, again, it's it's all quite confusing, isn't it? I, I, I don't know, mm. particularly. Yeah. Um, but it's so... Um, wrongs were right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, 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 <laughs> we made ourselves look pretty good. Who was your guys' man of the match? Just so I, I, I know. Mikey, you could do a monologue of who are the Danish... I, I would put Vestergaard as my man of the match just mm-hmm. because of the fact that he came in and he looked solid. We we looked a lot more solid with him in there. Chris Wood didn't really get into the game at all and that was that was um one of the main points that we were scared of was Chris Wood bullying mm-hmm. our back to Vestergaard came in, one majority of headers that came his way, blocked shots, did good clearances as well. It wasn't going to be a game where we were going to be high in possession. It was like 
it's the first time that we've had less than 50% possession and it was against Burnley. So that, that really tells you how we were playing was the fact that we didn't want to hold on to the ball. We were only looking to clear it. I think Vestergaard did his job really well. Bednarek played well too. Or he had a good game. I thought Bertrand was quite good. Um, and also Ings is always going to be up there because he got the goal. But yeah, mm. I'll put Vestergaard as my man of the match. Nice. Harry, would you be in, in agreement? Yeah, I, th- I think I think Vestergaard would certainly be up there. And you saw from the rarely just Twitter back Yannick Vestergaard but when he wasn't up for the man of the match poll everyone was like what are you doing why is he not there he should be a votable option yeah. but I think I think Mikey sums all of those up well but I also think you know Walker Peters since he's came in I know the whole team have been questioned for the first two games but Walker Peters has been a bit under the spotlight for not being at least for the Brentford and Crystal Palace game not for being at the levels he was last season but his incisive passes in between the lines is pretty solid defensive display yesterday, uh, not yesterday, when we played. I think he was pretty key to the result as well. But like Mikey said, I'd, I'd probably go Vestigar just because he marked their own, only sounds harsh, but Vidra had a one-off game against us at St. Mary's. I don't think I'll ever do that again. And that mm. sounds so harsh. And I, but He almost scored a bicycle kick. He missed it. He, he, but he almost, missed the he almost got there. That. He's yeah. a good player, but yeah, not quite at the Premier League for me, at least mm. at the moment. Whereas the, the main threat, Chris Woods, who had a great game against Leeds, uh, not Leeds, Leicester, and bullied their defence, although they lost 4 2, um, was marked completely out of the game by someone that's been largely out of favour. And he's really shown from that game that he's going, no, I, I can play instead of these defenders. Especially now, because after the West Brom game, Salisu will probably be available because that's what Ralph said that after the international break Salisu will become an option so he's mm. really put the, the cat amongst the pigeons and the other pigeons aren't enjoying it to be honest <laughs> ah, nice uh, so what, what do you reckon this does mean for Vestergaard then do you reckon that he's gonna um, I don't know does he keep his place against West Brom because I know he came in to try and oppose the, the physicality of a strong and tall Burnley side but if he's man of the match surely you've got to give him a run haven't you or do you reckon you shouldn't interrupt the Stevens and Bednarek partnership it's the thing is do you you go by game or do you go by player performance because against West Brom you'll have a five back team that's really quick on the pace you've got players like Pereira who's who's not similar to Walker Peters in the pass they don't play the same position but he knows where he knows where to put a ball you saw what Callum Robinson did to uh a lacklustre, let's say, because it's only his debut, uh, mm. Thiago Silva. So it, it depends whether you want to play someone that had a fantastic game or you want to go back to a match-by-match basis and select a team through that. Personally, I'd go through the match-by-match basis, but I can see why, and I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to Vestergaard playing. Because and also as game. well, um, Ralph did bring on Vestergaard to try and bring more creativity out of the... Um when we played in the second half against Chelsea, didn't he? Because Vestergaard can play, um, I don't know, play out the back a bit more. Maybe he's just a little bit more incisive in an attacking sense, but I don't know. Well, what's your thoughts, Mikey? I, mean, I think it's quite similar. It's like if, if West Brom do play five back again, don't really watch them, but they do play five back, that means that um, that means that means we will have majority of the ball again. And if you need that creativity, you do put Vestergaard as that, yeah. that man who can also then step up into the midfield if we do have dominance of that ball. And it's whether you bring Stevens in or not, because we know that Stevens can also do that role, but then you want two centre-half stepping up, leaving their men, it's all... 
at the uh, so any one of the any any two of the three I would be happy with going into um, the West Brom. Well, there we go. Um, what else do we think? Um, any concerns at all when you saw the Burnley game? Because I know a lot of people were saying it was a professional performance to say the say the least in the second half against Burnley, trying to keep it concise. Well, was there any sort of worries in the attacking sense that we weren't really providing much, or did we do our job and just keep things tight in the second half? I mean, we, we had one shot on target and one goal. Um, <laughs> Normally happens to us. Nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um, it, it was a little bit. It was a little bit worrying not having. Like I think probably the last bit of creative. The, well, in the second half, the only thing that I can remember us doing is Armstrong having a run and a shot being blocked where he should have passed it, and then he passed it to Danny Ings, and he was offside by about a yard. Oh, yeah. A yard. Mm. So like. Those are the only two bits of creativity that I remember in that second half. The first half was, again, quite quiet. We were quite active in the first 20 minutes, and then we weren't quite quiet after that. It, it, it did worry me a little bit with Gineppo, because he looked really good in the first half against Spurs. And then I, I know it's a physical game, and he's probably going to get lost in it because he doesn't have that physicality that the people marking him will. So I don't know. He, he got a bit lost and he got taken off in the end for Nathan Teller. Um, and it, it, it did worry me a little bit where we were clearing balls from our defence and it was it did just seem to bounce back a lot of the time. We didn't have that hold-up play that Adams should hopefully bring. So those are the two things that I was a little bit like iffy on. But in all fairness, it, we did what we had to do for the points. That might have just been the thing of just clear it wherever it doesn't matter where it is and like the wingers and the fullbacks are just a little bit more concise in their movements forward compared to what they were doing against Spurs and Palace because that was where we were being caught out against Spurs and Palace was the counter-attack whether it being our high line or not it was the fact that we didn't have the bodies back for a lot of them and we weren't mm. organised for them because when we were rushing bodies back, every Carl Walker Peters playing at left back, Wal Prowse was playing at centre back. Everyone was just sort of all over the place. So I think what we did, what we did um, a couple of days ago, was just stick in our formation. Don't have too many runners forward. Make sure that we are compact and we are together, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also that chance that Stuart Armstrong probably should have slotted in Nathan Teller as well, just before yeah. he. He sliced it in uh, it was a bit too late but I think is like we said earlier I think just it was handled well on a game by game basis and the fact of apart from the Charlie Taylor shot and Chris Wood being off size I looking back I shouldn't have been too concerned because every time they flung a ball into the box it was out it came straight back at them as well and there's no need to go all guns blazing and push a high line up because that's where they would have troubled us so I think we played it well I think it was good game management and I think against West Brom, you'll see a completely different style of football. Or not, maybe not completely different, but we'll probably have more chances. And I think we'll have a, hopefully, you might see more goals in that game. But that, that, that does seem to be a thing, because at the start of last preseason, the fullbacks were getting very, very high. And then we changed the system and it reverted to the fullbacks not getting as high. They weren't as, um, as much in the attacking sense. It seems like this preseason, I know it was only one game, but against Swansea, it looked like Bertrand and Walk Peters were getting really high up that pitch. Like Bertrand was playing almost as like an inverted fullback and getting into the box sometimes. Um, and 
now we've played two games with these fullbacks playing really high. They haven't gone well and we've reverted back to playing deeper fullbacks. So I don't know if Ralph, that's going to be something that Ralph is going to be looking into of getting more athletic fullbacks. No, Ryan Bertrand and Carl Wolfpiece is very good attacking fullbacks. But we have seen in the last couple of seasons, I know Wolfpiece has only had six months, but our fullbacks aren't getting as many assists. And to be fair, Wolfpiece has got two assists from quite deep as well. The one against Spurs mm. was a good ball over the top. It was a good ball in behind to Adams. I know it was an assist, but it created the goal. So I don't know if our fullbacks really have to be that high if you can keep finding the gaps to play the ball into. Reminds me of Jack Stevens last season, the, the Walker Peters mm. pass where he just loops it over or threads it through. But yeah, I think I think it'll be thinking about it. It'll probably be quite similar. I know we'll talk about this more in the West Brom preview because of their because of West Brom's two fullbacks going up quite high. They probably need the protection because as much as it is a five back, it's more of a three back and the fullbacks go up. And then when you've got the the pace of Dean Garner and um, whoever plays on the right hand side. Uh, it'll, it'll be pretty dangerous so I think we'll see a similar sort of thing especially if it works against Burnley if a, if a tactic works against Burnley you can bet your bottom dollar that there's a good chance it'll work against a lot of teams in the league yeah right so where do we want to go with from this then um, I went and grabbed my phone which you wouldn't have known because we are true professionals on this show um, but exactly. I wanted us to talk about transfers. Now, I know we haven't got any across the line since, but there's been a lot of names floating about. Now, I know Mikey would... Thank you for the XL there, Harry. Um, I know Mikey would normally be all over our transfer rumours, but I didn't want to stitch him up and just drop it on him. So I thought we could, you know, go through some names that have been rumoured around. Do we have any that we want to talk about? Well, there's, there's one that's already an impossible one which is Ibrahim Sangari he's gone to PSV uh, hmm. I've can't, I can't say I've seen any of him but the people you know that do all the football scouting on Twitter the, the St. Harris guy that watches football daily then pretends that he's the one that comes up with all the ideas he said that he, he, said that he was yeah. pretty good I'm just saying I'm just saying but um, overall he looked like a decent player. He's gone to Holland, which is, you know, I think will get European football. I'm pretty sure they've got the Europa League, so maybe mm. he values that. And then he's going to go on and push on probably to an Everton S side because they love Dutch central midfielders. So it's a bit disappointing not to be able to get him in because he did look like the all-round midfielder that we were looking for. But there's plenty of other options. Yes, such as, <laughs> Mikey, are you able to reel any off? Oh God, no! Um, I thought you were typing on your computer. Again. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've typed in Southampton <laughs> transfers. You've got just come up with, it, got... It's come up with Wesley Hoyt's going to be sold to Lazio. It's a loan to he's buy had option. A, uh, he's had a, personal he's terms had... are done. Deal's mm. done. So hopefully that'll be announced soon. Someone's complaining over the fact that Mark Hughes spent seventy-four million pounds in one transfer window, and Ralph spent forty-nine million pounds in four. That's very uh, true. Which shows. Shows how much we're actually backing him. Ralph wants to add three players to the squad before deadline day. So that's hopefully... Like that Castile winger that was rumoured we may or may not have had a bid in. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm sure it'll, it'll, it'll be a winger. Um, it will be a central midfielder. And who knows what else he wants. Because mm. I think we're quite solid goalkeeper-wise with McCarthy and Forster. Fullback-wise... Yeah. Bertrand, maybe another left back. Uh, Carl Peters. Hey, I would get another right back and another left back in, but it depends what he wants. 
Uh, centre-half, I think we're fine with the four that we've got. Central midfield, we need one or two more additions. Mm. Uh, Winger-wise, we need one if Bufal leaves, because he's supposed to be off to Angers or Greek or somewhere yeah, in like Europe he's supposed yeah. to be going. Mm. Um, and striker-wise, I think we're fine. Maybe yep. a taller mm, one. Yeah. Again, I was talking. I was talking. I know it's not realistic, but someone in like the Paulson mould, where he's yeah. tall but quick, because then we can get the pressing and we can get that target man that we're desperately needing. Because as much as I love Shane Long, he's thirty-three, and he's as much like he wins yeah, so much problem. in the air. He wins <laughs> so much in the. Air. He's not the. <laughs> <sighs> For my defense of Shane Long, okay, like I was talking to one of our mates about this. I was saying Shane Long's not someone you rely on goals. That's not what he's for. Danny Ng scores the goals, that's mm. fine. Shane Long's there to win the balls. And I was talking about Burnley. We weren't picking up we weren't picking up possession when we were clearing it. What Long does really well, he provides an outlet, he gets that flick on. So it's either flick on to Ings or Redmond making a run in behind, or he provides that flick on to get us up the pitch. Because if the ball's just being pinged up and it's being pinged back again. There's no point in like us clearing it in the first place. We might as well just kept it there because we're not getting out. We're not pushing out, especially if we want to be playing this pressing system. A flick-on allows us to move up the pitch and press high up the pitch. So that's that's what Long does. And I don't know if Adams is actually that mole or not. I think Adams is a getting-behind player. And as you saw... On on the game against Burnley, that running behind was fantastic because Burnley did push up a little bit too high. But if you're playing a team that's going to be playing deeper, you can't have Ings and Adams up top because they play the same role and they're both trying to get in behind. You've got no option deep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Would you would you take a window where we get two central midfielders and a winger though? Because if we imagine if we get that Costil lads, but then we get Ruben lost his cheek and we get Tom oh. Davis. I, the mouth waters at that prospect. Well, I know lots Ruben of people don't like Tom Davis. But. I would, mm. Mm, I would be, I would either way, I probably wouldn't have fear. Yeah. I would be like, oh, we missed a the boat there <laughs> on know, Tom Davis. I know why. <laughs> I, like I, thought, I thought, I thought Ollie was going to start going on about Ruben lost his cheek because he can play in that Armstrong role. Like Loftus Cheek can play higher up the pitch, can yeah. play on that right hand side, and can float into he the can, middle like yeah. Armstrong does. But I, I really love to. I, I don't that. know. Tom Davis. I just. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't be a emotional either he's not way. A Greek central midfielder from yeah. the second Tom division. Da- of Tom Davis isn't like a flash signing, but we don't need flash signings at the moment. At the moment, we need bodies mm. that can play in the Premier League. Tom Davis is a Premier mm. League quality player who can play in the Premier League. So that's, that's yeah, yeah, and he's twenty-two. He's not particularly old. Ralph will like him. He seems to be a hard worker. Everton supporters do seem to like him, even though he's not as good as Allen and Decore. Everton supporters do like him because he's from their academy, and I think he'll be a good signing. Because as much as it won't be someone to replace Ward Prowse or Romeo, it's someone in there that if they do get hurt, he can come in and provide quality. We're not relying on a small bone or a um or like a slattery to come in mm. and try and fill a role that they're not prepared for. Mm. I think he would start though. I think he would start. Maybe not straight away, but I think 
I think he would start over a Mayu because I think he does have that sort of not dirty side. I can't think of the right words. I think he does have that aggression along with being a more athletic midfielder. So I think I think maybe not straight away, like I said, but I think he would take over the role of Romeo. And then if we get Loftus Cheek in, well, that's just that's a coup in itself, to be honest with you. I know mm. he won't be able to pay his way the majority of his wages, and we'd have to help Chelsea. But then again. I think I heard somewhere that Chelsea subsidised Conor, Conor uh, Gallagher's wages for West Brom, so they're not against the idea of paying a certain percentage. So mm. if he's not going to start, mm. if he's not going to play, especially because he didn't have the greatest game against Brighton and he's already got Barkley ahead of him, I think there's a good chance, especially when the Athletic reports it. That's that's one place that, if I hear it, is 100% true. At least the talks, if they, if they say talks are ongoing, I'm hopeful because what they say, to me, is absolute golden. They've all, there's also talk of a lad called Joey Veerman, who's a defensive midfielder from, oh God, some Dutch team. I don't know. Heaven? Heaven? You know the one with love hearts all over yeah, that yeah. shirt? Yeah, them. Mm. Um, there He plays for them. He's a 21-year-old defensive midfielder. Uh, that's all I know about him. But there's been rumours that we're linked with him. Basically, every defensive midfielder in Europe who's under the age of 24 we're being linked to. Hmm. That's pretty much it. Angus Gunn might be on his way out to a championship club on loan because Stoke, he I've doesn't particularly in. want to be playing back up. Uh, did you hear the rumour of um, Angus Gunn going one way and us paying seven million for Jack Butland the other? What? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it won't happen. It won't happen. No. It'd be ridiculous if it did. Why not? <laughs> Just be great, and also Dave Watson would be happy because, of course, you know Dave Watson loves his English goalkeepers, Mm. so he'd be happy with Jack (laughs) Butland coming in. Wouldn't that just be? (laughs) I don't get. I don't get goalkeeper. Yeah, it'd just be one for one. (laughs) Still, uh, okay. Um, Well, I just read up about um, Hoyd. Apparently, they they've put his medical off twice because they need to sell someone before they can confirm him in so yes. it looks like it just keeps getting pushed back and back until they actually offload someone so can we buy um, their central midfielder so Hoyt can go the other way oh they've got a decent one as well haven't they who's that um... they've got Milinkovic Savage yeah so, can we have him he can come, we have him, come please? through the door son come on lad we'll take him off your hands <laughs> oh, imagine oh, that imagine if we it. got Milinkovic Savage <laughs> from Wesley Hoyt and Tom Davis that would be fantastic <laughs> if we get both of them and Quincy Promise Get him through the yeah. door as well. Mm. Of course, there was the links about Fiorentino Louise as well, the uh, Benfica defensive yeah, midfielder. That, my, but that seems to be so. off the books because they want forty-five million pounds for mm. him. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't well, Fulham, think we're going to pay. Fulham apparently had a, a thirty mil bid rejected, so it's like Fulham are putting up yeah, more money than Fulham, we are. If Fulham Splash the cash. Yeah. Why can't we? Why can't we do that? No, you can answer your own question, Mikey, because you've told me about that we cannot afford mm. to match Fulham in a transfer battle. <laughs> yeah. Well we've got a we've got an owner who's been described by the Athletic as desperate to sell the club, which is always a nice and then they said, and they said once a week we get an offer, and then once they find out the circumstances, they are no longer interested. So it's like them going, "Yeah, we want to buy the club, please." He goes, "Yeah, sure." This is the state of the club, and they go, 
yeah, we'll give MS oh, next, lads. We're, we're going to put it in. But, but we, can, we can get three points against Burnley. So I think that mm. is quite Not a... Uh, teams can, so. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, any other transfers that have you you found that have of note? I know it seems like we are, we are targeted with every central midfielder. We had that winger who went to PSV and basically said that um, we were just slow to to, to make yeah. things happen. So he went to PSV. Central midfielders are not weird because otherwise oh, people right. might click off thinking we're not massively in the uh, know. So it's okay, According to the Sun, okay. the Saints are now in contention. Da, 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 da. Apparently, we're going to put in a bid for Valencia Luis, who we've already asked, who we haven't got enough money for. So I don't know why we'd do that. If we'd low, they're not going to take a low week. ball, are they? Yeah, you know, but we're a massive club, so I think Florentino or Luis will kick off about not having European football and join Southampton, where we're going to get it this year. Right, mm. if, honestly, if we sign a quality defensive midfielder like a Florentino Luiz, who again, I'm doing all of this off a of football manager, he's fantastic. Um, <laughs> if we get oh, someone like Florentino Luiz, or... he's just gone down the Jamie route, just going to a video game to recognise who the best players are. Right, they, they do disgusted. proper scouting, they're not like FIFA, where they just, you know, Shane Long's got 20 pace. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I I think if we actually if we get a good central midfielder and we get a creative winger to help Redmond Armstrong out, whoever mm. I think will be, we'll we'll give it at the top half a good push. We probably won't end up getting top half, but we'll give it a good push. Thing is, for football manager, we could do that all day. We could go. Why don't we just activate Ruben Diaz's, Diaz's <laughs> release contract? Why did four million release clause? Why? Yeah. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? Why, why did, did we just sign him? Forty-one million pounds for Nathan Why did we not just do that and go go over there and buy a five-star potent? Like, what even is our scouting system? So. Here's a question. I know defensively we're not quite as bad as we were, but mm-hmm. Nicholas Otamendi, would you have taken him at Southampton if we could have got him? Mm-hmm. In the hypothetical world where his wages wasn't £150,000 yeah. a week, would have cost £20 million quid and he's 34 or however old he is. No. Well, no, because this, this is <laughs> what I was thinking. Because when, when Gary Cahill was leaving Chelsea on a free transfer and uh, we had the question of would you take Gary Cahill everyone said no and then he ended up having quite a solid season for Palace mm. like but I think, I that think he's shown to be a good player I'm not saying Osmond isn't because on the title winning season he was unbelievable but at the moment if, if I look in hindsight I think Gary Neville Gary Neville Gary Cahill was a fantastic <laughs> leader I don't know the leadership qualities of Otamendi is because I don't watch Manchester City enough, but I don't hear him hear of him as a leader. Um, mobility wise, he's probably as mobile as Gary Nev- Gary Cahill. Uh, so that's a difficult one. But in a two man, I, I keep saying Gary Neville. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Gary or oh, Otamendi. Neville. But um, <laughs> but like, I, I look at the. If Otamendi was playing in a three back, I'd probably say yes. But because we play a two back, we need athletic defenders. Or I know Vestergaard isn't that athletic, but we we don't we need would have less to, athletic. We'd have to ship someone for Otamendi, wouldn't you? Thank and you for I, saving me. I feel like it'd be quite. <laughs> I don't know who we'd get rid of. I feel like Vestergaard's now starting to prove himself. Stevens and Benrat had a good partnership, and we've already <laughs> bought uh, Salisu. I don't really want to get rid of the four. I quite like them. 
you know, the, the last five minutes of the West Ham game and one game against Burnley has shown that Vestergaard's proving himself. It's, it's, it's proving you know, only, himself. Only there's an ING <laughs> yeah, on that. I, know I haven't said he's proved himself and like he should be definitely in the team, but I'm saying he's get. Uh, you turn on the six puns, don't you? We were literally saying about 20 minutes ago he should play the next game. Like, what's going on? No, no, you said you should play the next game. Yeah, and Harry did as well. And I, then we I asked you, and you went on some mad run about Shane Long. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did. <laughs> but that's usually how things go. In our I know. That's normally how the podcast ends, and that's what we should um, do now. You reckon? How about Jesse Lingard? Would you say that? Oh, Christ. Would you go near Jesse Lingard? Would you go near <sighs> Deli Alley? Because we've been linked with him, apparently. No, we <laughs> haven't. We haven't been linked yes, with Deli Alley. Tottenham boss Jose Mourinho hints at Deli Alley transfer decision after Southampton X. To PSG? Yeah. No, oh, 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 okay, don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, it's fine. Game. It's fine, I read it wrong. Don't worry. He doesn't want to play against his Would next Deli Alley, though? Southampton. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> For the... <sighs> We don't have 60 million quid. We don't have 200,000 pounds in the wage. You never know how much we're getting for Wesley Hoyt. This is the, uh, this is the question. <laughs> Ollie, do your business and just end the podcast. <laughs> do, do your wrapping up. Do your, do your wrapping uh, yeah, up. Yeah, okay. Sentiment. So well, make. if you are like Tizard and you feel like you've had enough of this episode, thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll keep if going you want to keep in contact us when... No, we won't. <laughs> but if you want to talk to us in the week, uh, suggest things for episodes. Normally, we have either reactions or questions before each episode, so that could be oh, sent in through Instagram. Um, if you want to find any any way to contact us, then just have a look in the description. I put a nice little link there. It will take you directly to wherever you want to go, whether that's Instagram, Twitter, anything like that. So instead of reeling off a load of different social medias, we just have one link in there. Just one link, and you're away. You can click to wherever you want. If you want to leave us a little bit of uh, a review as well, it helps other people find the podcast. And if you want to leave any suggestions for things you want to do, we've got international break coming up, so we might need some filler if we haven't got any anything to report on. So if you can think of any ideas you want us to do in the break, there's a Google sheet in there for you to give us a suggestion. And if you you know if you do come up with it, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and a, a thank you for your suggestion. So make sure you drop those ideas in there below. Um, but yeah, anything else to cover? I don't think so. I think so, we've done everything. Yeah. Twitter, Instagram, next podcast. Yep. I'll put mm-hmm. something before the entire oh, and- thing. So you can ask your questions and we will answer mm. every single one. So and Jamie sure- should be back for the next one as well. Sadly, so that means yeah. we will have... <laughs> we know he won't get here so we can say why. Um, uh, <laughs> but that should, should mean we get the return of video podcasts as well so if you're a video person rather than an audio person then you can get them on YouTube as well we're just waiting for our video editor Jamie Allen to return to the podcast so uh, make sure you subscribe to YouTube as well in preparation for when those videos come back out again and we'll see you next time it's been me Ollie and say goodbye people Who's it? who are you? goodbye Good people work. goodbye from yeah. Harry yeah and and Mikey yeah, thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a good weekend and yeah, weekday even. And we'll see you next time.